this episode for the outro because I got a few things to talk to you about. But in the meantime, here is a short little interview that I recorded with Michael Dunsmore, a fellow Alaskan, well, sometimes fellow Alaskan and sometimes just an awesome Californian who is a game designer. And I recorded this with him at Platypus Con of 2020 about a month or so ago as of recording this intro. And we got all into game development. And this is part of what I wanted to talk to you about on the outro. Just kind of how I'm approaching interviews and what I got in store for the horizon and the interviews that I already got in the bag to start putting up. But for now, here is Michael Dunsmore, game developer and co-designer of We Need to Talk. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Cardboard Herald's coverage of PlatypusCon 2020 here in quite sloppy Juneau, Alaska. And I'm back with returning guest Michael Dunsmore, local Alaskan, sometimes local Californian, other times. Welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, last year we talked to you and you were just on the verge of getting your first game published, a co-design for We Need to Talk, and that's with Smirk and Dagger, Smirk and Laughter. Laughter brand, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's, it's out. It's a real game now. It came out um, June of 2019, so um, that's, I mean, it's hard to beat the excitement of actually having something that you can go, people can go to the store and buy that has your name on it, right? It's cool because when I was at PAX Unplugged this year, I actually saw people playing it in the wild. And I was like, dude, I met that guy, and he's Alaskan, and, you know, this is awesome. But I was surprised to find that when I was talking to you this year, you have kind of switched gears or acquired another hat, so to speak, because you're not just designing games, you're developing games. What's up with this? Yeah, so um, I started uh, last fall um, working with another, some other local designers uh, in the Bay Area that I've been friends with um, and one of them, my good buddy John Brieger, um, has started doing contract development work which is to say publishers hire him to polish up designs before they come out um, and he just, there was so much workload and such a demand for this that he's now started a studio and, and brought five of us designers together to help him work on that um, and that's been really interesting and uh, to work with um, I also want to give a quick plug that he, he has a game coming out, too, this March from TMG Chronicles Airs, which I did a lot of playtesting on also. It's awesome. It's pirates stuck in a time loop. But, yeah, so I've now partnered with John and his studio, um, and we have, we're shooting to do 14 game projects uh, in 2020. Wow, that is quite the load. It, and what's so cool about game development and what I find fascinating is that Five years ago, even though I was pretty plugged into the industry as a fan pre-Cardboard Herald, I had never heard of the idea of game development. And now, over the last particularly year or two, I've heard of lots of studios start coming up. So what is the, the need for game developers in the industry these days? Yeah, so um, there is, the industry's booming. There are thousands of games coming out each year. And to stay competitive, publishers are still trying to increase their output. Um, so what a game developer brings is um, the same similar skills to a designer of making a game that people want to play and polish. But they're really trying to take something that was an, a design and make it a product. So uh, what I do as a developer in our studio is we'll take a design that a publisher has already acquired the rights to and say, we want to make this. Here's our timeline. We'll give you three months to make X, Y, and Z about it better. And uh, a lot of things we try to do is 
streamline the components to bring the cost down for the publisher, uh, add value to the game, see like, um, can we add more content without adding more components? Um, and just make sure it plays really smooth and really sleek. Try to make these products stand out in the marketplace as much as possible. Um, and I think you can, you can kind of tell games that have been gone through good development and those who haven't uh, in that they tend to just be that little extra polish that helps them sell that extra 500 copies that might increase their shelf life, you know? And is your target customer the person who's doing their first game or two on Kickstarter? Or do you see even very experienced designers who have maybe a, a history of published games still coming to development studios? Yeah, absolutely. Um, generally, uh, people who are doing their first Kickstarter, it's usually their baby. They're really going to try to do it all themselves and take really smart ownership over it, which is great. I mean, um, I'm a creative person myself. I understand that. Um, where I, we get a lot of, of work is uh, I've made one or two games and I want to expand, but I don't have the capital to bring on full-time employees. In which case, contracting us for two months uh, is a much better value than get out of it. And yeah, absolutely, we got big experienced uh, people coming. Uh, like for example, I'm working on this project uh, that's going to come out uh, later this year, Seven Summits from Deepwater Games, a well-established brand. And this is designed by Daryl Andrews, who's designed dozens and dozens of games. Um, so, uh, but that being said, he's cranking out new designs. The publisher doesn't have the manpower to get this done as fast as they want. So uh, that's where Brigger Design Studio, or Development Studio, has now been brought on. So, in a way, it's almost like uh, I, I don't know professional playtesting by like people who really know what makes games good and gives you the the adequate feedback in order to make that game more polished. Now. What do we have here in front of us? Because this isn't your design. Is this a game that you've been running development work on? Yeah, absolutely. So what I have on the table now, uh, and it's out because I'm looking for playtesting here at PlatypusCon, is um, a game called Tabriz by um, a designer, Randy Flynn, out of Seattle. Um, and this has been picked up by the publisher Crafty Game Studios. Um, so no, it's not my design, uh, but I am one of the lead developers uh, now that I've been hired by Crafty Games uh, to do this. And a great example of one of the things we do is, uh, for example, this is, a, um, this is a game about trading your carpet traders in the Persian Bazaar in Tabriz and collecting resources to go to market stalls. So all these tiles represent market stalls, and they were given to us by the designer with just a single side of each stall. And so one of the things we can do is, without adding a cost to the game, we're developing backsides alternative for all of these tiles. So we've essentially as developers doubled the value to the consumer of this game product now uh, when they go to put it on Kickstarter and sell it uh, without actually increasing the manufacturing cost of this product. Now, for your development studio that you work for, is this where you get assigned a specific game? So, like, this is one that you are the head of the development on, or is it more of a collaborative process? Tell me about the, the actual sausage making when you're working with such a, an established team. Yeah, okay, that's a great question. Um, so, we will put together teams for each product, each game we work on. Our, the studio I work with, currently we have four uh, designer developers, a rulebook editor, and a project manager and art director. Um, so, we will put the team together based on what the product needs, plus what resources the publishers bring into it. So, for example, this game, Tabriz, uh, we have on our side two developers assigned to it, me and John Brieger. Um, the the publisher has a cultural consultant. Uh, they're going to handle the art and graphic designers they've contracted, uh, and they have a designer attached to it. So we have like a six-person team, two of us, some from the publisher, 
working on this, and we, you know, we use all the usual internet tools to communicate and share files and information on a daily basis. Um, whereas some other products, I should say like Seven Summits I mentioned earlier for Deepwater Games, we're, we're contracted essentially to take this start to finish. So in this one, our project manager and art director is involved, so he's like the lead of our team uh, because he has to set the timeline to make sure all the artwork gets in so that this can hit the print date that the publisher is asked to hit. Um, so then it comes down down the chain of command. Uh, to, so I got assigned as a developer, and I get uh, my time window, which on this one is gave me about six weeks to do all the development on it. Um, but our studio will still have it in its pipeline for about two more months as it does all the art direction and stuff. Now, with Tabriz, why don't you tell me, because you're so intimately familiar with this game that you are running the development on, what are some of the core concepts in this game that make it stand out from other games? I just make it feel unique in the marketplace and like a game that you, as a gamer, want to play. Yeah, no, that's absolutely. Um, so one of the cool things about this game is there will be some familiar elements to hobby gamers. It has a bit of the feel of the Century Games or Istanbul, where you're going to get certain goods, turn them into better goods. Um, what this adds is a this modular marketplace where the goods aren't going to come out and be available in consistent manners. Um, so every turn, you're evaluating the current board state for where there's a potential discount that will encourage you not to necessarily do the pre-planned engine you've already done, but oh, here's this opportunity where I can break from my engine, but it'll save me a little bit down the road. And really finding and capitalizing on those opportunities, uh, I think is what makes this game unique of that genre. Um, there's also some cool things thrown in. We have a, the designer had this really interesting idea of a dice pool. So we have uh, three different D3s, essentially D6s with two symbols on each, of each, um, which correspond to all the commodities of the game. So some of the uh, resources are actually controlled by the players trying to predict dice rolls of what they're going to get also. So um, there's a few novel mechanics there, but um, and uh, I'm really excited that we have a cultural consultant attached who's actually Iranian and was actually a carpet salesman himself over there. Um, so when this is done with the final art, we'll have you'll have real uh, rug graphics. Um, it'll have you know, culturally appropriate names and themes and resources um, that'll um, hopefully also make the community of the, the Persian community happy to see this on the shelf too. That is so fantastic. And I'm so thrilled to hear about the the projects that you're involved in. It sounds like as a developer, you got a lot coming down the pike. And also, I know that you have some designs that you can't quite share any of the information about right now. But I'm looking forward to hearing more about it uh, throughout the year. And if nothing else, definitely at PlatypusCon 2021. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me again, Michael. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate it. All right, everyone, I have a bunch of interviews coming up that are going to be on the podcast channel here, and I wanted to let you know that things have been a little bit wild around uh, the Cardboard Herald headquarters recently, and that's caused some of this disruption in the evenly keeled podcast release. Now, a lot of you know that I've been putting a lot of effort into the video channel on YouTube, the Cardboard Herald, and we do tons of interviews and reviews and recommendations and all kinds of stuff there. And you're still going to find all kinds of content there, but I really care about the podcast as like one of the things that I would most use if I were a listener or or fan of the Cardboard Herald. 
I, I would turn to the podcast as the most convenient method for me. And so I want to make it available to everyone out there that we're not just going to have video interviews. We're also going to have podcasts. But for several reasons, we had kind of disruptions recently, and those are all resolved. I have a bunch of interviews in the bag. I'm really happy with how they're coming out because I'm trying to change my approach to the interviews that I'm doing where I'm focusing more on the, the practicality of someone's life through the the vehicle of board games you know i i'm i'm using whatever they are coming onto the podcast for to promote in, in order to understand more about how they do their job or they engage in whatever creative endeavor that they are involved in and i am just loving how it's coming out i have people from blue orange games from leader games coming on i'm super excited because i'm doing a spoiler podcast for tale of ord with rita orlov of post curious here and colby dowk is coming onto the podcast to talk about the whole thing with splitting with asmodee and reacquiring plaid hat games like these are some really cool interviews that i've either done or have scheduled in the next week here so i got a ton of stuff that is fresh and current i also have a couple lectures that i recorded at at at, at platypus con here in uh juno that i think are really cool um they they are one the first time that i've gotten to record a panel uh, and two, it's the first time that PlatypusCon has brought in game designers in order to give presentations. It's a bit of a learning experience, but being in the audience, I thought they were fantastic. And uh, I, I'm so glad that I'm going to be able to share them. I'm going to put those up as kind of like bonus episodes because they're not actually interviews, but look out for them on the channel. We should have, barring any exceptions, a, a consistent every other week here going forward. And if we sometimes get off of that, just know that the podcast is something that I only want to put up things on here that I think are worthwhile and are interesting and have value. And I'm trying to think about my life as a creative individual and as someone who is a content creator, as much as I hate that term, content creator. I'm a content creator. I just create content. Um, you know, trying to be conscientious of making sure that I'm consistent with you, but also that whatever I put up is something that I would want to listen to myself. So I hope you dig that. I hope you enjoy what we have in the coming weeks and months and everything. And as always, if you have comments, if you have feedback, if you have questions on anything, if you want to hear more of me talking about my own experience with games, if you want to talk about the, the games I've been playing, and hear more of me talking directly to you, the audience member on the podcast, let me know. Shoot me an email, cardboardherald at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at cardboardherald. Anyway, we got lots of stuff on the horizon, so stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a fan, and thanks for supporting the Cardboard Herald. Cardboard Herald.